Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Amen. If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 11 and 12 in just a moment. We are starting a new series tonight titled Fight the Good Fight of Faith. And tonight's message is titled The Most Important Fight of Your Life. How many of you carry around a handful of keys? I think almost every adult has a key ring with multiple keys. I got a bunch of keys because I got my personal keys and I got a bunch of church keys. So I got a really big bunch here. But um, let me ask you, which of the keys on your key ring is the most important to you? Which key would you most hate to lose? The key to your storage locker? The key to your backyard shed? The key to your bike lock? The key to your suitcase? You probably said no. I heard some no's on all of those. And it's not likely that anyone would consider those keys vitally essential. But now if you lose your house keys or you lose your car keys, now that is a different story, amen? That's when you go out into full-blown panic and you're searching everywhere and you're enlisting everybody to help you find your keys because our car keys and our house keys are essential to our daily life. Without our car keys, we can't go anywhere. And without our house key, we have nowhere to end up when the day is done. So certainly it's frustrating to lose any key So if you're like me, you're constantly checking to make sure that you have your keys with you. But there's another key that's even more vital than any of these that every Christian wants to be certain that they do not lose because it's the key to everything that God desires to do in our life and everything that we need from God. And that key is called faith. Read with me, if you will, 1 Timothy 6, verses 11 and 12. I'm reading from the New King James. It says, but you, O man of God, flee these things. And the things that he's referring to are from the previous verse, which is the love of money and the evil that it leads to. He says, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You know, there are so many fights that we can engage in, aren't there? There is the fight for justice. There's the fight for certain political positions or political candidates. There's the fight to save the environment. And there's an endless list of other causes that people fight for. And I'm not suggesting that these aren't important issues. I'm not saying that we don't need to take a stand on any of these issues. But sometimes these other fights, though good, can distract us from the one essential fight, the good fight of faith, which is most important and vital to our spiritual life. In C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, and Screwtape Letters is all about spiritual warfare. It's, it's a fictional allegory, but it's all about spiritual warfare. And he tells us that one of the devil's tactics is not necessarily to get us to do bad things, but to keep us from 
the best things by distracting us with good things. And when I read that, you know, I was thinking about Mary and Martha. You know, because Martha was doing some good things, right? She was preparing a meal to host Jesus and his disciples in her home. It was a good thing, but it was keeping her from the best thing, which was to sit at Jesus' feet. So one of the enemy's tactics is to distract us from the best thing, the most important thing, the essential thing, by good things, by good things. And Paul is telling us that the most important fight for our life is the good fight of faith. And the Greek word for fight in this verse is agonizomai. And you might recognize it as the root of our English word, agonize. And it's used both in the context of an athletic competition and a military conflict. And it means to engage in a struggle, a contest, striving with all of your might to contend and overcome an opponent or an adversary. And so using it in reference to our spiritual life, Paul is telling us that the Christian life is a lifelong fight. Because actually this verb, agonizomai, is in the present tense, indicating a never-ending struggle. This side of eternity, we are engaged in an ongoing fight or struggle until we go home to be with Jesus. I'm sorry to disappoint anybody. I'm sorry to, 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 to uh, you know, rain on your parade. But we are going to be fighting until the day that Jesus comes back for us. The good fight of faith is a fight to remain faithful to Jesus. Fighting the good fight of faith means striving with all of our might to live our lives being faithful to God and to the teachings of his word. Fight the good fight of faith means to strive diligently to live for God and to do all that God has called us to do. It means holding fast to God, holding fast to what we believe through trials and difficulties, fighting doubt, fighting unbelief, and standing firm in our faith, standing firm on his promises. Fighting the good fight of faith is fighting to live a righteous life, refusing to compromise despite the pressure of the world. Fighting the good fight of faith is striving to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and not allow the things of this world so to, to seduce our heart away to lesser affections. Fighting the good fight of faith is striving to live godly and ultimately lay a hold of eternal life that God has promised to us. And the good fight of faith is a fight against three enemies. Do you know that every Christian has three enemies? Say this out loud. I have three enemies. Do you know what those enemies are? The flesh, the world, and the devil. The flesh, the world, and the devil. Now, the flesh refers to our sinful human nature. Now, I liken it to a phrase that we often hear used or might hear used, especially if you like, you know, uh, 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 things that have to do with detectives and, and uh, solving crime and what have you. But there's a phrase that was often used called public enemy number one. And it's a law enforcement term to describe someone whose criminal activities 
pose an extreme danger to society. So catching that person is a number one priority, public enemy number one. But in our case, we have Christian enemy number one. And is not the devil, is the flesh. In the Bible, the term the flesh speaks of the desires of our mind and our body that are opposed to God. That though weakened by coming to Christ, uh, uh, still pose a struggle, a conflict in the Christian's heart. This is where Paul describes in Romans 7 where he says, the things that I want to do are not the things I end up doing, and the things I don't want to do are the things that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who is going to deliver me? You know, so there's this struggle uh, inside. And again, the flesh, this, this, this principle of sin that is at work in us, is weakened when we come to Christ, but it's still present in us. And Paul describes this struggle even further in Galatians 5, 16 and 17. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do what? Evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. So our fleshly nature opposes what the Spirit desires in our life. He goes on to say, and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So what he's saying as a Christian, we have the good intention of serving God. We want to live a godly life. We want to walk in faith and holiness. But there's a principle of sin that is at work in us, and it's opposing or fighting against the work of the Spirit that is renewing us and trying to make us like Christ. Before we came to Christ, guess what? There was no struggle. There was no conflict. Why? Because the flesh ruled. We just lived according to the dictates of our fleshly nature. If our flesh wanted it, we did it. There was no conflict. But after we come to Christ and the Spirit takes up residence in us, the Spirit is living in us, that is when this struggle, the flesh against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, that's when that struggle begins. Because the sinful nature in us still wants to do evil, but the Spirit is now fighting against that. The Spirit is giving us a new desire, a desire to, to love and to please God, and it's like a tug of war that's taking place inside of us, pulling us in either direction. And daily, we need to surrender to the Holy Spirit. That's where he said, let the Spirit guide you. I like the Greek there. The Greek actually says, keep in step with the Spirit. So what he's talking about is a daily choice to walk by the Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to, to control us, to surrender to the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to overcome the flesh, then we need to daily surrender to the Holy Spirit through prayer, you know, where we bring the things that we're struggling with, we bring them to the Lord, and we invite the Holy Spirit to come and take control. We also surrender to the Holy Spirit by renewing our mind through the Word. As we read the Word, our mind is being made new so that the old ways are being cleansed and new thoughts are filling our mind. And we also 
uh, surrender to the Holy Spirit through filling our spirit with worship. You want to keep your mind and your heart focused throughout the day on the Lord so that you don't give room for the enemy to come in. We also surrender to the Holy Spirit by making choices to avoid evil enticements and by refusing to place ourselves in environments that encourage ungodliness. We want to instead choose to place ourselves in an atmosphere of godliness, in an atmosphere that encourages us to live rightly. I remember several years ago we had a young man that, and I've shared the story before and he's shared it publicly so I feel free to do so. He doesn't attend here anymore. But um, he was struggling with, with drug addiction and he called me several times while he was in a crack house in Carver Ranches. And he would call me and he would say, pray for me, pastor. I'm here and and I'm about to to buy drugs. And and, and the first several times I would pray for him and and he would fall. And, And after doing that several times, he called me and I said to him, I said, brother, I said, I could pray for you till I am blue in the face. But until you make the decision to turn around and get out of there, I said, you're not going to be free. It's not going to do any good. You know, so after that, he, you know, he came one night to church and he was telling everybody, Pastor Maria refused to pray for me. Pastor Maria refused to pray for me. But after some time, we were able to get him, help him to get into um, one of those uh, drug rehab programs like Teen Challenge. And um, he went through the program. And after about a year, he came back and he was visiting on a Wednesday night and we were doing um we were doing testimonies and he raised his hand and and so you know he stood up and he began and i'm thinking oh no he's going to start again with all this i refuse to pray for him and that's exactly what he said <laughs> he got up and he started saying you know uh when i was here a couple of years ago blah 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 i was struggling and i called pastor maria and she refused to pray for me and i'm like and then he said but that's the best thing she could have ever done for me he said because it made me realize i have to take responsibility for my own life and of course, now he had gone through uh, this drug re- Christian drug rehab program and uh, was finding freedom uh, in the Lord. But what I'm saying to say all to, with all of that is that we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice daily to surrender to the Spirit by avoiding evil enticements. And that meant mean avoiding some people who you know we used to run with, and those people used to pull us in a way. Uh, to do things that were not pleasing to God. And we may need to avoid that. We may need to avoid going to places where it's easy to fall. You know, we need to make choices to avoid evil enticements and we need to place ourselves in environments that encourage godliness. What are those environments? Hanging out with godly people, coming to church regularly, listening to worship throughout the day. Those are the kinds of environments that you want to surround yourself with. After salvation, we begin to experience what's called the process of sanctification. And sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit to put to death our fleshly nature as we give him more and more control. See, he's not going to violate our will. God will never violate our will. So we have to make the decision to surrender. And more and more as we surrender, the Holy Spirit puts to death that sinful fleshly nature. In Romans 8, 13, Paul says it this way. For if you live by its dictates, he's talking about the sinful nature. So if you live by the dictates of the sinful nature, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. 
See, so the Christian life is a daily fight against the fleshly nature. But we don't fight in our own power. We fight by surrendering to the Holy Spirit. When you give up and let God, he enables us to overcome the fleshly nature. So our first enemy is the flesh. Our second enemy is the world. Our second enemy is the world. And the scripture warns us in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, saying, Do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. You know, when when he talks about the world in this passage of scripture, he's not talking about the people of the world. He's talking about the present world system that is under the power of darkness. And of course, the enemy can use people as well. So it can be humanity under the power of darkness in in hostility towards God. And so he can use people in our life to entice us away from God. But one commentator writes that the world refers, refers to mankind in organized rebellion against God. And the world entices us by appealing to our sinful nature to rebel against God. John tells us that the world seeks to compete with our love for God, pulling away our desires and affections from God to pleasure, to possessions, to achievements, pulling our attention away to these things. And John tells us you can't love God and love the world. These two loves cannot coexist in the same heart. Once you've made the decision to love God, you have to constantly fight to maintain your devotion to him against the strong pull of the world. It's almost like swimming against the current because the whole current of the world is coming this way. And as a Christian, we're in the minority going this way. And the world is constantly pushing against us. And it's a fight. It's a fight. Thomas Chalmers, an old Scottish preacher, preached a message titled, The Expulsive Power of the New Affection. And in this message, he argues that the only thing powerful enough to drive out our love of this world is our new love for the Father. That's the only thing. And the only way to fight the love of the world is to grow deeper in our love of the Father. So how do we maintain and grow in our love of the Lord? We grow in our love for God by walking in obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, sing songs. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. So to God, you spell love, O-B-E-Y, obey. If you determine to live in obedience to God's word, you will overcome the world because the world is constantly enticing us to obedience, to live against the word of God. And it's a continual fight. So every time we choose to obey God, That is a victory. That is a victory against the world. The third enemy we must fight is Satan. And Satan's name actually means adversary. 
opponent. He is the arch enemy of God, of God's people, and of God's purpose in the world. Satan opposes God's plan of redemption to save sinful mankind and bring them into right relationship with God. So Satan battles against us, opposing the work of God in our life, opposing our relationship with God, and tries to prevent us from living for God and doing the work of God. So he comes to tempt us to rebel against God. He afflicts us with problems to weaken us, to keep us preoccupied with our difficulties so we won't serve God. And he also afflicts us so that we will begin to doubt and question God. God, why am I going through this? Don't you love me? Don't you care about me? Why did you allow me to go through this? God, I don't understand. You're not being faithful to me. You're not, you know, and he causes us to be filled with doubt and questions toward God. He oppresses believers to make us feel depressed, distressed, and restless. Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. His intentions are never good towards you. And 1 Peter 5.8 warns, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That is his constant occupation. He will attack your health your emotions, your finances, your family, your faith, whatever is important to you, whatever way he sees that he can get at you. You may not have a problem with money. Money may not have a hold on you, but he sees how your kids have a hold on your heart. And he says, if I touch their kids, I know that I can get them to forsake God. Isn't that what he did with Job? Wiped out all of Job's family. That if I do this, I, I, I know he'll forsake you. He took his wealth, he took his family, and then he took his health. And each time he told God, if, if, if I do this, he's going to forsake you. But thankfully, Job was faithful and refused to forsake God. But Satan will attack you in any which way he can. And that's why Peter says, stay alert. And he's saying we have to be constantly vigilant because the devil is on his job 24-7. And his goal is to destroy you, to destroy your faith, and to destroy your relationship with God. But even though we are engaged in a constant fight against the devil, the Bible tells us that we have the power to resist the devil. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God. Remember we were talking about surrender a few moments ago? So our victory comes through surrender. It says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. And of course, God has given us many weapons with which to resist the devil. We have the weapon of prayer. We have the weapon of the word of God. We have the authority of Jesus' name. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we have the weapon of surrendering ourselves to God and to his will, which defeats the enemy in our life. So the Christian life is a lifelong fight. But the second thing that we need to know is we fight against a defeated foe and we must enforce Christ's victory in our lives. See, folks, I want us to understand this. We are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from a position of victory. Satan has already been defeated through the death and resurrection of Christ. He's defeated. He hasn't been eradicated. Amen. He's still a roaring lion, but I like what someone said. He can roar, but God has 
removed his teeth. Amen? Through the death and resurrection of Christ, God has removed his teeth. So he can roar, he can intimidate you, he can scare you, but he is a defeated foe. His fate has already been sealed. His days are numbered, but he is still active in the world. And for that reason, we must be vigilant and we must fight. But again, we are not fighting for victory. The victory is already ours. The victory has already been won. We are fighting from a position of victory. It's kind of like a boxing match where the outcome has already been fixed. You know, the boxing world has for many years been uh, known for corruption, where there's, you know, the fixing of fights, where the outcome is already predetermined and what have you. So, so say, for instance, in this boxing match, the outcome has already been determined. And they say, you're going to win. You just have to stay in there until uh, the third round, and, 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 and you win. So you know you're going to win. But you just got to stay in the ring long enough. You just got to take the punches long enough until the bell rings and your victory is declared. Amen. So Christians, the fight has already been fixed. The fix is in, as they say. Jesus Christ has already won the fight. Satan is already defeated. We just got to stay in the ring long enough. And we may get punched along the way, but we just got to stay in the ring long enough. Amen. Until that victory is declared. Matthew 24, 13, Jesus said, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen? So what he's saying is you can't give up. You have to keep persevering. So child of God, all you got to do is stay in the fight and got to make sure you win. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And something else, we are not in this fight alone. You know, there's an old hymn written by Martin Luther, which, who was a great reformer of the church, and the hymn was titled, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And, and, and it says this, Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. So if we were trusting in our own strength, no matter how much we tried, we're going to lose. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he. So, you know, the, 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 Martin Luther is saying, despite our best efforts in this fight, we would certainly lose the battle if we were just trusting in our own strength. But because Christ is on our side, because Christ fights for us, the victory is assured. There is no other possible outcome. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And that's why we must consistently choose to live close to Jesus and deepen our relationship with him because that is how we walk as more than conquerors. We must also fight in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to fight the good fight of faith. It is the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us. The word sanctify speaks of separating from evil and making us holy. So the Holy Spirit working in us gives us the power to resist temptation. The Holy Spirit in us, he convicts us when we sin. Have you ever experienced the conviction of the Holy Spirit? That the moment you start stepping this way and it's out of God's will, you can feel it. Now, of course, you can sin against the conviction of the Holy Spirit to where you become desensitized to his work. But, but if you're walking in relationship with God, the moment you step out of God's will 
you're going to feel that restraining work of the Holy Spirit in you saying, "Uh uh-uh, going in the wrong direction. So the Holy Spirit gives us the power to resist temptation. He convicts us of sin, and he strengthens us when we are weak. He gives us supernatural power, enabling us to endure through trials, through difficulties, and through hardship. He comforts us in our troubles. He guides us in the right path of truth in God's word. He is working in us to put to death the flesh and to change us more and more into the image of Christ. The Bible also tells us the Spirit intercedes through us when we are weak in prayer and we don't know how to pray. Ultimately, it is the Holy Spirit who enables us to keep fighting even when we are at our weakest. There are times where I've been in the heat of battle and I had no strength of my own and all I could do was get on my face and and let the Holy Spirit pray through me because I couldn't even pray myself. But he just prays through you. He intercedes through you. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to keep fighting even when we're at our weakest. And it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the desire and the power to seek for God, to battle temptation, and to live faithfully for Christ. That's why it's so important for us to be continually filled with the Spirit. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 5, be being filled with the Spirit. He's saying you need, it's not a one-time thing. You need to continually be filled with the Spirit. And again, I'm going to give you a shameless plug to be here on Sunday for our series on the Holy Spirit that begins this Sunday titled The Promise. You don't want to miss it because the power of the Holy Spirit is essential to our Christian walk. Amen. And even if we were filled with the Holy Ghost, we need to be reminded and encouraged to be refilled continually with the Holy Spirit. Amen. But we must fight by determining to walk in obedience to God's word. The devil comes to deceive us to disobey God so that we will sin and we will walk in rebellion to God. But when we commit ourselves to obey all that God has commanded us, and when we choose day by day and moment by moment, we are defeating the devil in our lives. And our obedience is not difficult when it flows from love. As we mentioned earlier, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. When you love someone, you desire to know what pleases them and you delight in doing it. And the more we love the Lord, the more we want to please him so his commands are not burdensome to us. And every time we choose to obey him, we are resisting temptation and we are defeating the enemy. So our choice is powerful to defeat the enemy. A number of years ago, there was a movie that came out called The Bear, and it went something like this. Once upon a time, there was a mommy bear and a baby bear, and they were so happy together. Then one day, an accident happened, and the mommy bear died, leaving the little bear all alone in the world. One day, the poor, defenseless baby bear was out minding his own business when he was spotted by a big, mean, hungry mountain lion. The baby bear started to run in fear, but he was trapped next to the river, and he jumped in. The mean and nasty mountain lion followed him downstream to where the baby bear came ashore at a crossing. The baby bear was trapped again and made a puny, squeaky sound as the mountain lion closed in for the kill. 
Then suddenly, the baby bear stood to his feet, opened his mouth, and gave a massive roar. The mountain lion suddenly remembered that he had something else to do, and he ran for his life, terrified. How did that little baby bear do that when he was so afraid? At that point, the camera pans around, and there standing behind the baby bear was the hugest, most ferocious daddy bear. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Folks, if God be for us, then who or what can be against us? Amen? You may feel weak. You may struggle in your faith at times. You may struggle in your walk with God. You may be hurting. You may be going through trial. You may even thought of throwing the toweling and just quitting your Christian walk. But take your eyes off of the fight. Take your eyes off of your problem and fix them on the Savior and determine to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Hallelujah, because the victory is ours in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Would you stand to your feet and would you in your heart make a commitment to the Lord tonight to say, God, I am going to fight the good fight of faith and I will not give up, but I will appropriate your victory to my life. Lift your voice to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that it strengthens our faith, that it encourages our heart. Father, we Uh, all attest to the fact that we are engaged in a fight, Lord God, and sometimes the fight is hard, Lord. But Father, as we stand before you tonight, we commit with Paul to fight the good fight of faith, Lord God, to endure, to persevere, to hold fast, Lord God, and to not give up because we know that you are with us, that you are fighting for us, and the victory has been guaranteed to us through Christ Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for coming. Drive safely and we'll see you on Sunday morning. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.